Are you a music school owner looking to scale your program from just a handful of teachers to a highly profitable, well-organized, and mission-driven company? Well, I'm Nate Shaw, co-founder of the Brooklyn Music Factory. And I'm Daniel Patterson, founder of Grow Your Music Studio. And we're here to help you discover a proven pathway to sustainable growth in your music school. So get ready to take your passion for music education and scale it to a seven-figure music school. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, we are joined by friend of the show, Greg Genter. Uh, you might remember that Greg is a previous guest who joined us on episode 33 to talk about grouplessons.com and his group piano system called Piano Express. We really uh, explored his you know, model of teaching. Um, and during that episode, Greg made an offhand comment about how a studio no longer does trial lessons. And Nate said, hey, we should have you back to talk about that. Now, if you've listened to, this, listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know Nate says that about three or four times every episode, but this time, <laughs> we actually are going to follow up on one of those. Um, and I think this is an interesting topic to explore because for as long as I've participated in music teacher forums, music owner forums, the Facebook groups, all that sort of thing, the debate has raged on about how best to onboard a new student. Um, there's one side that says you shouldn't undercut your business's value by giving away your product for free. You have another side that is doing some version of a free trial lesson, but has a lot of questions about how to make that work economically, especially if they're a bigger school. Like, do I pay my teachers for the trial lesson? Do I make them kind of foot the bill? Do I pay only if they join? you know, all these questions that kind of swirl about, then you have alternative systems like the 30 day lesson pass, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So today we're going to explore all of that. And we brought on Greg because he has a studio that has a high capacity to bring in a lot of students quickly because of, again, that unique group piano system. You know, when you can see 12 students with just one teacher, uh, you have more of a capacity to bring people in. You don't have those usual roadblocks that you have when you, you know, have to hire teachers. Um, and so, Greg had this unique challenge. And uh, so, Greg, you know, I want to just start out by asking a really simple question. What is it that your studio does? Simply, we, we have designated time every week for what we call open house. And I was considering like doing it once a month or maybe once a week, but we have through the year, we have had enough interest, uh, people coming through our sales funnel that it's been necessary for us to carve out time. So every Tuesday at 7 30 PM, to eight. We have a half an hour where we stop classes. All, all of our teachers are free and we open our doors to anyone in the public. Uh, we do invite walk-ins. Most of the time people call ahead and then we do the same thing on Saturday afternoons at one o'clock. So wow. uh, from one to one thirty. Tuesday nights, Saturday afternoons, every week we do an open house. And that is how we engage people who have already gotten a referral from us or they've come through part of our sales funnel. We'll talk about sales funnel, but uh, this is how we really close the deal. We, we, we make that link from they've heard about us, they're interested to they're signed on. Okay. Mm. Now, I, I was fortunate back in June of this year, 2022, uh, mm -hmm. obviously Greg and I are really old friends going back just over 20 years now. So Greg and I have been hanging out. I've seen Greg's studio many, many times. I can in June of this year, went to Greg's studio, actually got to watch the Saturday open house in action, had a 
you know, a few new students that came in. So I've had a chance to observe how that open house works. Uh, but I'm not going to steal your thunder, Greg. Could you tell us how your open house works? Just, just the facts. We'll, we'll probably get into later why you do it this way, but how does the right. open house work for you? Okay. Well, I recently recorded a, a video of me just running an open house. And, um, I think it's going to be possible for you guys to include that as, as an extra link in this podcast. So people can actually watch, uh, if you have 30 minutes to burn or, uh, watch at double speed, you have 15 minutes to burn in your life. I mean, you can, you can actually see one happen in real time, but we, we bring students in. The first thing that I do is I get down on eye level with these students and I learn their names. I, I say this in, in the video extra, but I'm, I'm really not good at names. I, I struggle to learn people's names. So I really like try as hard as I can to like pay attention when they say their names. And then in the next minute or two minutes, I will repeat their names as much as as they can, as I can, like I hear myself say it so that it's at least in my mouth and in my head. I sit the students down, I get them hands-on. I pay a little more attention to the students at first than I do to the parents. Once the students kind of get the hang of a simple song and our software, we do turn on our software and show the parents how to use it as a teaching tool at home. I turn my attention to the parents. I talk to the parents about our program and uh, then I talk about scheduling, answer their questions. And that takes about 30 minutes. That's, that's in a nutshell. That's how it happens. And there is strategy and a lot of thought that has gone into every step. And then for what is worth for, for people that are training to be piano express teachers, the people that are in our licensing program, I have what I call an open house script. I, I like actually write out like, here's what I say, uh, here's, uh, you know, in, in sequence so that, uh, anyone training to be a piano express teacher, they can just follow what we do here at, uh, at our studio. Interesting. Okay. Now you talked about that strategic element. You talk, you talk, you mentioned that you have a sequence before we get into that. I do want to acknowledge something. Greg's school, mm -hmm. it's obviously a one instrument school, a one program school. So they teach piano, they do it in this group system. I think one of the values of having kind of a community of contributors here, uh, obviously Nate is much bigger than contributor. I, do, I am going to flip it over to Nate later in this podcast because Nate actually uses an open house system at Brooklyn Music Factory, but they're obviously a multi-instrument school, a multi-program school. And I think it'll be really valuable here in just a few minutes to have Nate talk about the similarities to Greg's system, similarities to Greg's strategy, and then differences as well. So that anyone who's listening to this episode, whether you have a single instrument school, you have a multi-instrument school, will get value out of this. So I do want to acknowledge that. So if you have a multi-instrument school and you're thinking, yeah, but how, how is this going to help me? I think just between Greg and Nate here, we're just going to cover the entire the entire gamut. So um, just wanted to acknowledge that. So Greg, why use open houses? How does this contribute to your school growing bigger versus all of the alternatives that we mentioned before? 30 day okay. lesson pass, trial lessons, a consultation on the phone, et cetera, et cetera. I'd love okay. to hear this. All right. So do you guys play chess? At least on a hobby level. Okay. Hobby I, level. I know how to do it. <laughs> you know, you know, how the I, I tried. Okay. Now I'm not a chess master, but chess masters talk about opening sequence, mid game, late game. Mm. Okay. Mm. And I think marketing 
has a lot in common with that. I'd say the opening sequence would be like the ads that you put out there, the advertisements. And uh, the mid game would be like your website. You know, you're driving traffic to your website and you're trying to get people to contact you. Okay. Um, by the way, I'm spelling out in a nutshell here, a sales funnel, right? Ads drive traffic to a landing page, get people. The whole point of your landing page and your website is to get people to call you, email you, contact you, text you somehow. But after they text you late game, okay, late game, how do you get from I'm winning this game to checkmate? This game is over. Um, that is for us. That is where we do our open house. I say our Hmm. open house is a late game. Our open house is not the end all be all to our marketing. Our open house would not be very effective if we didn't have a sales engine driving it. Okay, so we do have ads. We do have landing pages. Um, We have people contacting, and we invest in those things. And so we have people constantly contacting us. And that's not accidental, and it's not free of charge. It's We're not just lucky to have fruit falling from the tree and hitting us on the head. Um, We we invest in that. And so that's part of our strategy. But after people go through those first two steps of the the sales funnel and they've actually contacted us, we want to close the deal. So I see this as an engine uh, as well. And uh, like I said, people talk about sales engines. And I used to do um, trial lessons. And uh, we did trial lessons in in groups. And there were a couple problems with that. And there were a couple places where the engine wasn't working. And I realized I needed an engine upgrade. We needed to take this engine out and <laughs> upgrade to a new one. Um, and uh, part of the, some of the problems, parents of these new students would come into a group lesson and they would watch, but we were so invested in the students that are already bought in. Like I, in the back of my mind, know this trial lesson. Yes, Ooh. they're a VIP, but they're not bought in. Um, I don't want to take time and attention away from my paid customers to, to talk to this parent too much about our program because there's a live class happening and in group lessons, there's just so many needs. And, uh, and so the parents didn't really get all their questions answered easily, nicely. If I take too much time to answer all their questions, it's at the expense of the class. And if I take too much time Investing in the classes is the expense of the parents. Like they see all this stuff happening. Um, the Piano Express, one of the very unique things that we have is an online um, tool that we use in class and also as a practice tool at home. And we want parents to understand how to use it. But I found that it was at the expense. It was like a tug of war, like who gets to win in, in this group lesson and, and someone was going to lose. And, um, and it got to the point where, um, I got, I got an email complaint, um, right around the January, February, March, uh, rush, you know, that we, we get the, the beginning of the year, we get a new influx of people that are interested. There was a student who joined, November, December, and they were in a beginner class. And then boom, 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 like three or four weeks in a row, there was like a new trial lesson every week. And so that class was kind of watered down three, four weeks in a row. And I started to see that we were getting so many new students interested in our program that our beginner classes in, it wasn't just that one class. It was all of our beginner classes. Mm. They were all, um, subject to this, uh, invasion of, of, uh, trial lessons. And, and so I started to think, you know, I really need to parse this out. If people are bought in, 
they need our undivided attention in, in a class. And if people are still on the outside looking in, checking us out, they need our undivided attention so we can talk to them about the program. And so as soon as I split, like, man, if it's not broke, you don't fix it. I did feel like it was broken and I do feel like now it's fixed. Why not just do a one-on-one lesson for with them for that trial? Okay. One-on-one lessons. And I know a lot of teachers are going to do trial lessons if you're doing one-on-one. Now, if you're, if you're not doing group lessons, it would mm-hmm. be simpler. And, um, and that would be a solution. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that for small to mid small size studios. I, for me, it boils down to time commitment. I commit mm. two half hour chunks a week and I can see 10, 12 new prospective students. Last week, I'll just be honest, we onboarded nine students in a single week and I committed two half hour chunks. Yeah. And um, if I saw them all one at a time, that would be four and a half hours. So for me, it's just a matter of efficiency. Um, I can get the same, I can meet all my goals and my goals are to communicate our vision to the parents. And we are going to talk more and more about this, but, but to also reassure the parents that they can trust us on the staff and our program, uh, just reassure their trust, communicate values. You know, those are the things I want to do and I can do it in groups. So one-on-one lessons, if I was only seeing two people a week, then that would be two half hour chunks. It would work. But as soon as you go over more than two prospective students a week, then an open house model is just going to save you time and time is money. Like I can't afford to block any more time for open house than I do. Before we jump into like that sales engine and deeper discussion of the sales funnel, I actually want to kick it over to Nate and, and see what he's heard so far. And, and I wonder, Nate, if you have any questions. Yeah, you know, I do. I got a pile, but I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to sort of try to feed them out over time, Greg, because I want to I want to start with the last comment you made, which, you know, Daniel and I talk often about. It's like your most valuable resource, you know, is time. Then shortly after that is money. And then I sort of put creative intent, your intellect and creativity is in there, too. I sort of we think about it in kind of three um, resource buckets. But uh, you know, at BMF, we did a super deep dive into the free trial model. And as you know, we do both group lessons and we do one-on-ones. And um, we're actually, we, we closed that down recently. And we are reinvigorating our open house model, which I love listening to you talk about your model. I have some questions there. Um, and one of the reasons why I closed it down was because of exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. The amount of training that went into all of our teachers, because of course we couldn't, a school of our size, we couldn't afford to just see two trial lessons a week. One of my questions for you, dude, is who's on your team to do these trials and what are the different roles and responsibilities? Um, that's my first question for you. I want to know, mm. like, who, I know because you have a multi-teacher system in that group class, who else is engaged in the tr- in that 30 minute and what are their responsibilities? Okay. That's a good question. So, um, 
teacher training is something that the Piano Express has um, absolutely like refaced this year. Um, one of the things that we are on a mission to do right now, just this is off subject, but but we are on a mission now to connect with teachers nationwide and 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 uh, license with teachers. So we wanted everything from how do you run a class to how do you do an open house? Um, uh, everything from first contact to, uh, last lesson, uh, we wanted to put it all on paper. So all the teacher training materials that I've made for potential licensees, I, I just started using with my staff. And so yeah. everyone on our staff reads the open house, um, script and they're responsible to know it. Um, with that said, if I'm in the building, I still do run the open house. Um, I will make (laughs) my, um, my staff, I mean, I'll, I'll pay my staff to stay late, but every, every couple weeks I'll have, I'll say to one staff member, Hey, can you stay 30 minutes late and watch me run this open house? I want you to hold this script in your hands while I run it. So you can Mm. see how I'm hitting these points. And, um, so I do have a handful of people that are trained. Um, having training materials written out was a big help. If I didn't have that, Ugh, I would probably just trust myself. I would <laughs> never, never uh, be able to have a day off, I guess. Um, mm. Yeah. And we have two locations. So I have a manager in my other location. He runs all the open houses. I completely trust him too. He's on the so, same level as me. Am I just, just to you know, I'm getting in the weeds, just to be really clear, because this kind of thing is like when I look at a Brooklyn Music Factory open house model, there's probably five staff that all have unique roles and responsibilities from the welcome person to the actual teacher in the classroom to my job is to run drum circles in a community room. Jason's job is to run speed songs with parents while the kids are in the classroom. So those are like super unique uh, roles with specific training to those roles. It sounds to me like you've got a beautiful model where there's literally just one position. And they need, and they can run the open house for the thirty minutes from minute one to minute thirty. Is that accurate? Yes. I yeah. love it. Okay. So then I'm going to ask one more follow up question, and then, and then I know I know we, we're going to get in uh, deeper here on the actual sales funnel piece of it. Because mm. one of the first things I wrote in my notes as I was like scribbling down here, and you were just dropping wisdom bombs, I was like, okay, wait a minute. This is his closing moment. This is the Piano Express moment of closing. So can you just clarify exactly, does that mean I'm giving you a credit card right now? Am I just like tapping my card and paying the um, deposit on the spot and getting enrolled in a class or just define precisely where the, if this is the entirety of the closing or is this like a moment in closing, which then has a follow-up that's scripted as well? Okay. So there's a couple different outcomes that can come from an open house. Obviously, no one is forced to sign up. And so we do get people that uh, it's not a timeshare where we lock the doors and they can't leave the room (laughs) until they say, yes, (laughs) I do believe in the free market. So we let people choose and um, we lock the door. Um, so there are people that say some, something along the lines of, okay, well, we'll have to go home and talk more about it and we'll call you. Um, and, uh, then there's people that are just like, show us the schedule. We're on board. We're coming next week. And, um, and so those are the outcomes that can come straight out of, uh, open house. And so we have 
we use Trello. We have a Trello board. And so people uh, get moved as they move through the sales funnel from they contacted us. They had an open house. We have two different pillars on the end. They have yeah. signed up. And, uh, and then when they sign up, we have a couple um, internal marketing pieces that we give them over the next couple months, like just so they know how good they have it now that they're with us. Um, internal right. marketing, we'll have to come back and talk about that another time, Nate. Um, nice. <laughs> but, I love, um, that. I love that topic. <laughs> the, 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 there is a pillar of people who they have attended open house, but they haven't signed up. And right. those people we will carefully contact a few times over the next couple of weeks just to see if we can nudge them in. Um, so that's, that's where we leave it. Some, many people do sign up straight out of an open house before they leave in that 30 minutes, they are on board, but some people don't. And to be mm. clear that the transactions actually happen because this is always, this is one of the details that I think some of our listeners, um, they understand, but they might miss that, that mm. it's not real until that parent actually hands you a card and says, I'm in. Right. They can say I'm in, but we all know that I'm, I mean, I'm a parent. We all know how fickle parents can be. They, they think they're in until, you know, chess club or soccer practice appears. Right. Right. We are, we are, um, yeah, we, we take people's credit cards. We, we have all of our Good. payments are automated. We have, we have a software that right. runs all of our transactions, but yes, people hand over their card. We take right. their card and, um, we do wait until they actually attend their first class before we charge them okay. just out right. of respect. Totally. Um, but, but we do have their numbers and, um, and we have them on our schedule. We're holding their spots. We have, we send them home with a business card with their first appointment written on the back. Mm. I um, love that. I love that. It's just like, it's like my dentist. Here you yeah. go. Just so you know, in six months where you'll be. I don't know about you, but I didn't get an owner's manual when I started my music school. And I wasted a lot of time on trial and error and making things up as I went along. But you don't have to do that. Nate and I are building a library of resources and tools exclusively for fans of this podcast. Go to growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS and sign up to receive podcast updates, free resources, and even submit questions for us to answer on the podcast. That's growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS. And we look forward to answering your questions. Greg, you mentioned earlier the, uh, the idea of the sales funnel, the sales engine. You've alluded to it. You've talked about how you see the open house as superior, at least for your school. You told us how to... Uh, run an open house or kind of gave us the brief outline, which, um, you know, if someone wanted to explore that further, I don't think we need to go into the weeds on that outline because you've made an entire open house available, like a video of it, which I think is great. Someone could actually go and watch it, see how effective it is. Let's dive deeper into that sales engine, that sales funnel, what your goals are, what you've done in the past that hasn't worked, things of that nature. Where would you start uh, along that constellation of topics? Okay. Well, I think that um, we've already talked about why I've gone from trial lessons to open house, but I want to talk more about the messaging because this is where I think a lot of well, I'll, I'll just say personally, I used to lose 
more of my late games than I do now. Mm. And it's because I didn't have my messaging right. Okay. Um, I'm going to go way back. We've already said in this episode, Daniel, we were, we've been good friends for a long time. Um, Daniel and I ran a summer camp together. How many years ago? Um, we, we started 17, uh, more, 17, 17 summers years ago. ago. Yep. Okay. And, um, we, we had, uh, to promote this, we, we shelled out $700, um, now back seven, that's before inflation kids. Um, (laughs) um, we shelled out $700 to, to sit at a booth in the mall and we paid another $300. Funny. All these years later, I still remember how much we spent on trifold, um, little pamphlets to hand to people. Um, the, 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 the good news of our summer camp, here's a pamphlet, take this pamphlet, please. And, um, and all over that pamphlet, if I were to summarize it, it was how smart of a choice, how logical of a choice the, the Piano Express summer camp was for your kids. We can teach your kids how to read music in five days. And man, if they try that in weekly lessons, it's going to be like months. You're going to spend this much learning how to read music in weekly lessons, but you do it all in one week because this is immersion. This is true immersion. This is like moving to Spain to learn Spanish. You're coming to our camp to learn music. Like it made so much sense sense. And the marketing did not work. I was, I was so like dumbfounded as to why the, this fell on deaf ears. I was like, but it's so smart. And the people shopping at the malls were over 90% moms, 10% dads. Okay. Those were the demographics. And the moms looked at our pamphlet, turned it over, looked at us. Who are you? We don't know you. Do you think I'm going to send my children to you? Do you think I'm going to trust you to take care of my kids for a week? And they just walk. They wouldn't say that, but I would see it on their face. They're like, you're a stranger. I don't know you. I'm walking away now. And um, (laughs) what I have learned over the years is uh, we do market to moms. Okay. Our, 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 big guns at marketing are, are aimed at moms and, and, uh, by and large, of course there's exceptions, but by and large, if you want to paint with a broad brushstroke, and I think if you're going to put one, if you're going to put marketing money into one message, one, one ad, you, you have to paint with a broad brushstroke to a certain extent. The message that wins for me, and and I believe for the people listening to this podcast, the the secret is figure out how to communicate that a family can trust you as as an establishment and as a teacher. It's not about logic and reason. It's not about how you're the smart choice. It's, It's about how can this family on an intuitive, instinctive level trust you as a teacher in your studio? Okay. Mm. All that to say, when a family comes in for an open house, I don't turn on the, the, the software right away and talk about how fast the kids are going to learn and how here's the national average. And here's our average way up here. Here's the RCM scores that are national average. And here's our scores for the last year. Look at how much smarter and better. Here's what these people are paying for their average scores. Here's what our people pay for way above average scores, right? Like you're paying less and you're getting more. Now, I could start there, but I don't. <laughs> I leave all that. Uh, I leave all of that. I don't even bring that up. I sit down on eye level and I enthusiastically learn the child's name. 
And then like, no, I genuinely enjoy working with kids. I do love my job. I let that love become transparent. I put that on display. Okay. Right away. The families feel like they're in a safe place right away. Like if I can get, I, 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 um, play to my strengths. I have a sense of humor. And so I'll, I'll make a joke. Um, sometimes I try to get the kids to laugh a little bit. Um, if you watch the open house, uh, demo that, that will be attached here. Um, what did I say? I, 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 I looked at the kids. I said, what are your names? And, and they both gave me their names. Um, Liliana and Alexander. I still remember because <laughs> they both had four syllables. And then, and then I looked and I said, Oh, you guys brought grownups with you. I know why you brought grownups is because you don't drive cars. You needed drivers, don't you? You know, and then they laugh. They're like, ha drivers. Yeah, it's funny. Um, and so, and the parents laugh, you know, everyone, everyone has a little laugh. The kids smile, the kids relax. All of a sudden there's this stranger yeah. that they kind of like, and I'm already starting to win my late game. I'm already moving the pieces into checkmate position. All right. Um, so Daniel, that's a long answer to what has mm. worked and what hasn't worked. And I would say format doesn't matter. I could probably go back to the shopping mall with my booth now with better pamphlets and uh, <laughs> convert more. Uh, but uh, the messaging, I've learned a lot about messaging. Logic and reason, it, it, it doesn't work as well as intuition and trust. Any any other questions, Nate? And I, I think, Nate, I'm probably going to kick it over to you to talk about your open house system here soon. But any other questions on what Greg has just said here or maybe looking at things from a different angle or, or um, bringing up questions maybe I, I have missed or, or opportunities I've missed? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to my notes here. I want to talk a little bit about what we do here at BMF with our open houses. And then I'm going to try to, if it's okay, Greg, can I like sprinkle in some questions back at you or get feedback from you? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, so, you know, I mentioned that, uh, you know, we have a group class program in our mini keys and our jam band 101. So that's, those are like songwriting game-based programs, right? We also have private lessons. Um, and in addition, we have our camps. And I think one of the mistakes we made in the past was we treated camp as its own effort. So we would have the camp open houses that would be separate from say an after school open house, right? Which just now we're actually being we're like, what are we doing? Because it gets back to the point you said, which is, um, you know, you were talking about, you did a, just such a beautiful job of saying we have an opening sequence and a mid sequence. Well, it takes a lot of investment and effort, right? To actually get people even to show up to an open house. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, I, I was talking to my team earlier this week and I was just like, guys, we're sort of putting in double the effort when we start splitting up our open houses into different uh, outcomes, you know, like, oh, camp, well, let's just sell out camp by doing, putting all our effort here for a month or two. When in actuality, um, what we're going to do is combine them. And as Jessica put it in the meeting, she's like, look, I just say, here's our approach and our method that has worked with families for a dozen years. It's game-based, it's songwriting focused. And then what's interesting is she said, whether you enroll in mini keys, jam band, or camp, or private lessons, Jessica framed it as, that's just pure logistics. Mm -hmm. Which is yeah. a sort of, a, I just sort of leave that there for our listeners to consider. Maybe, maybe Greg, Daniel, you guys have thoughts on that. But in other words, you're leading with your purpose 
your values, you mentioned this earlier, and your, and your method reflects that. And you, in our case, we apply that exact same method, whether you're in a one-on-one piano lesson or you're in mini keys. Obviously, they're leveled differently and there might be slightly different support materials, but not that radically different. Right. Um, any thoughts on that, Greg, in terms of trying to combine multi into one? Right, and different just, programs. Just, if you, yeah. uh, right, because people could look at me and say, well, Greg, you know, you teach one instrument, you have one program, you know, yeah, I, we have a niche, right? We are not trying to teach all instruments in all different formats. But I would still say, um, run one open house. Yes, Nate, uh, mm. anyone listening, run one open house talk to the families and part of an open house is not, it's not you talking to them about your program. It's you listening to them. Yes. Okay. Mm. If you guys, I, I, I wanted to put this in. If you watch the open house, um, uh, that I recorded, there, there were two kids that showed up just two. they were brother, sister. The parents mm. tell me right away, right up front. The, the younger brother is not here for the trial lesson. He's just here because he, he, couldn't be home alone. Um, <laughs> and, and the sister is a transfer and she's had some note reading trouble and they only want to be here for a few weeks to get a boost of confidence for, um, for the, her note reading. Okay. So it, it was kind of like, um, this guy is not really here and she, if she joins, it's only going to be a few weeks. Okay. In the back of my mind, I listened, I heard it, but I was just like, he is here. <laughs> And she stayed yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. like I, but I listened to them. I, did, I didn't blow them off. I want you guys to, um, right. anyone that's curious, watch, do it in fast forward. So it only takes 15 minutes, but, but watch, watch my open house. And I will tell you the, the, uh, now for the rest of the story, they did end up joining both of these, both of these children since that recording, they've gone to their first lesson. Um, they both did join the boy that wasn't there for the open house. He joined, um, the girl that was there for only a few lessons, just a few, she really needed an overhaul in her note reading and the parents are completely bought in. They are, they are signed up for the long run. So I turned that corner with them because I just honestly communicated what I believed. I was, I I just said, Mm. you know, your younger son, uh, I'm going to give him a chance to, I mean, since it's just us, let's let him interact. I mean, I don't want him to be bored. So I'll turn on the the software for him and we'll just have him interact. Right. He ended up having a lot of fun. His, the parents saw, you're going to see, if you watch this, um, replay, you're going to see this moment where he gets a perfect score with my back turned. I didn't even help him. And you'll see the mom, she gets out of her seat. She's just like, <gasps> right. Um, and, and, and that was the moment. And then I just turn around and I casually say, all right, developmentally, he is ready for our program. Okay. So the mom came in and said, we're not here for him. But 15 minutes later, she's like, oh wait, yes, we are. And, uh, with, with the girl, I was able to turn the corner and say, look, learning to be a stronger note reader takes more than a few weeks. And what she really needs is, uh, just an immersion and we can give her that look at our whole track, look at our course. Um, they came to one class and both of them are just bought in. So that, that came from me listening, not just talking to them and earning their trust. Go ahead, Daniel. And I have to say this, what you have just described there 
in narrative form is the is really what I think are the two crucial things to uh, growing a business. Mm-hmm. One, and and this can't be taught. So I'm going to start with this one. The second one okay. can be done, but the first is just the confidence. Uh, um, the the belief in the system, and then that belief translated to to um, uh, kind of the the way that you're being even in, in talking to that family, whether it's over the phone or it's in an open house or something like that. Like when you can speak very confidently and it's, and, and you have a really clear sense of what your quote unquote talking points are, what your script is that comes across with a lot of authenticity to families. That's the yeah. first thing that can't be taught. Yes. That has to be learned. That ha- that comes from actual belief in what you're doing. I think but, Daniel, that it's like piano, though it comes with practice. If of course, you, if you know yeah. your vision, you know your purpose, and you practice speaking. I mean, heck, you can practice in the mirror. But yes, oh yeah, it, it can't be taught, but it can be practiced. Absolutely. So in other words, we can't just hand someone a script or a email template and be like, okay, great. Your studio is set for life. Now there, there is an aspect of this. The second part is just the product itself. And Mm -hmm. I go back to this phrase that I probably dropped on the podcast a few times. Um, it's, it's a great quote from Naval Ravikant. And he says, um, you, uh, you're doing sales because you failed at marketing and you're doing marketing because you failed at product. And one of the things, you know, the, the, I'm the marketing guy, you know, I've been in, in, in kind of the, the somewhat public light in our industry for about seven years now. And, and people kind of know me as the group lessons guy, the, the marketing guy. But the thing that I felt really made my marketing easy in, in my own studio and in the programs that you and I did together or other things that I've been involved in, it's always been at the back of it is a really great product that's easy to market, a, a really great system or program that that kind of speaks for itself. And I know you said earlier, you know, the whole rationality and that sort of thing doesn't um, really connect as as well as kind of hitting people at that emotional level. But mm-hmm. when I have a product in which I can point to it and say, look at, let me tell you 18 stories of kids that have gone through this and the kind and, and how they feel about this and how right. well they're doing like that connects with the emotional level. But if you don't have a product that can produce those results, it makes your job a lot harder. And so right. just what I'm hearing is you tell that story is kind of those two things showing up there. There's a confidence on your part about the system. There is a, a facility and an ease with which you talk about it with the family. There's a humor, there's a casualness that really plays as authenticity because it is authentic. And then there's at the back of it, this child, you sit him in front of your tools for 15 minutes and he's getting a perfect score. And the mom can barely believe her eyes because right. of the experience she had before with her daughter. So Mm. I just think it's so important to point that out because if anyone's struggling with enrollment, anyone struggling with whatever system they're doing, whether it's open house, free trial, phone consult, Mm -hmm. zoom consult, 30 day lesson pass at the back of all of it. And this isn't to undermine what we've said the whole episode, because obviously I think there are really great advantages to the open house system, but no matter what system you're using, if you have those two things, it makes your job a heck of a lot easier. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes, there's, there's the cart and the horse. I would say that intuition and trust is the horse that has to be first and then mm. product 
the cart. Yes, you, mm-hmm. you do want both. And, uh, and I've never thought of it that way before, Daniel, but, but if you have the, if you have the horse moving and, and then, then I think you have the permission then to, to, to show people into the cart that you're like, here, look, these are our, these are our tools. This is our program. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Now you said you, you mentioned, um, or Daniel, you were talking about experiential knowledge. You can't learn this. You can, it only comes through practice. Totally reminds me of a quote from a, from a class I'm in where my teacher was saying, you know, Nate, let's discern between practical knowledge and intellectual knowledge. Practical knowledge is experiential knowledge, and that's what's valuable to you. Mm. You know, Daniel was here visiting Brooklyn like five weeks ago, and he saw my stack of all my business books, and it's like, how many of these have you actually read? And I'm like, well, I've read these over here, and then a bunch I haven't. But even those I've read isn't nearly as valuable as those I've highlighted and then attempted to put into practice. Yeah. Um, exactly. And you open, and you follow that by saying, you know, know your vision. This is one of these pieces that Daniel and I, actually, this is one of these areas where we we oftentimes are are working with um, school owners or we get these questions where that's a wall, a resistance point. People don't want to spend enough time contemplating what they truly, truly want as their vision and purpose for their school. Mm. You know, they don't, they want to get it done and put something on the website rather than being like, okay, I'm going to put something on the website and I'm going to sit with that and see if it really, truly speaks to me. Um, so I just wanted to, I wanted to highlight your comment there because it's just so important. People ask, why do I need to spend so much time? Why do I actually have to read Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why? I'm like, dude, you got to read it because it's a real deep contemplation and it has a ripple effect on the rest of your career. <laughs> with the school. <laughs> and it's like, um, and then the, I want to point out a detail. I want to share a couple of just nuggets around a BMF open house. And then, and then I'm, I think we should wrap on this because there's just so much in here that people probably have a notebook full of notes. So, um, uh, I was going to share, um, a detail around what you said around parents. See, saw that story their son who wasn't even there for a trial, I mean, a trial class, Mm -hmm. they got stars and validation from the software. This is a really important detail because it's not Greg saying, look how awesome your son is. It's Mm -hmm. Greg believing in your son with his purpose and then having an external validation that goes along with it. That's in a really Mm -hmm. important coupling for our listeners. So, you know, to clarify, when BMF does, I, I gave the camp example, the version of an external validation in that story is the dry erase board with lyrics that got written by the by the student. Yeah. That's serving the same purpose as three stars. Right. Right. A parent needs to see that there's actually something being created and happening mm. in addition to me or you, Greg, believing in their potential. Yes. Yeah. You did. I, I just wanted to highlight what you said because it's so badass that you have your, you know, of course I've seen your Piano Express software. It's totally awesome. You have this a great methodology of where any level can work through it simultaneously. That's just beautiful. But there's also the reward when they do a micro success, like they pass a level right. and you're using that in your open house. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's like bridge building. Yeah. The bridge between our studio, like what we have to offer 
and the threshold of what this family is willing to trust and believe. And, um, yeah. and I like how you're putting it, something tangible, something that th- we can all look at. You know, I can say, I, uh, you know, I can casually say, okay, well, why don't we just turn on a machine for this kid? But what I'm implying is I'm trusting that he's going to enjoy this. And then yes. I, then the, the proof is there in that tangible thing. That's, that's, that's a great way to put it. So Greg, final question. And uh, maybe you could just give us kind of like a bullet point list or, or something that people, something tangible that people can take away from this episode. If someone wanted to start an open house system in their school, what do you think their next action should be? And we don't need to go super deep on this. We don't need to, you know, give like the two hour tutorial, but high level, what do you think they should know? What do you think they should do? Okay. Well, if you (laughs) want to do it my way, I don't trust my memory, um, especially when I am performing, when I'm in front of a family, you know, I have to remember to say this and this and this, there's some things that I just never want to forget to say. So I would say, you know, what is it that makes your, your program unique? Write those things out. What do you need a family to understand about your studio before they come to day one, write those things out. And for us that, that turned into our open house script. Um, but for you, it could just be a simple list. I would say if you haven't done this recently, it is so important to just quiet down all the noise and listen to yourself and ask yourself, what is the vision and what is the purpose of your studio? What are you really offering? Uh, because every music teacher out there is going to offer, I'm going to help your child put their hands on this instrument and make it turn into music. But what are you doing beyond that? What do you really have to offer? And how can you communicate that on a first impression in a tangible way that builds trust? Try to think about on those terms. And if there's something you can do in, in your first meeting with people, then, uh, then, then add that in, include that in your script or your, your, your list. And then obviously the simple thing, the practical thing is schedule it, figure out when in your schedule, does it cause the least pain? (laughs) You don't want to put it in your prime time, like right in the middle of where your, your, your busiest, um, traffic is, but, uh, but at a place that works for your community too, like when can, Mm -hmm. can you block time every week for an open house? So Block the time, make your points, and that's it. Love it. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now... I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please, share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.